For January 28th, 2013, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 239. Edmund Burke, Mermaid Hunter. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From the trailing edge of America, the trailing side of Manhattan Island. No, if someone once pointed out to me that if the sun rises in the east, this is in fact the leading edge of America. So from the other leading edge of America. Thanks, Matt. Uh, geographically, if not in, a, in the sense of cultural supremacy. This is the Overthinking It podcast. I'm Matt Rather, your host, and I'm here in a room with the other overthinkers for one of our rare in-person podcasts to celebrate our fifth uh, anniversary. This is the yeah. yeah. This is the pregame podcast because later tonight we're going to go out and just rage, uh, beginning in the uh, beginning in Alphabet City and continuing in Alphabet City at karaoke until three in the morning. It's so be like rent. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so before we get foreclosed on um, by our evil <laughs> landlord, and before we get eight days. <laughs> <laughs> Our evil landlord, Tay Diggs, uh, I uh, have a question of the week for you, which is this. How are we going to pay? How are we going to pay? How are we going to pay last year's rent? This year's rent? No. Um, like, in New York, that's, what, $50,000? <laughs> minimum. Yeah. How, how are we still living here if we haven't paid last year's rent? That's the plot of those musical, right? They, uh, yeah, I don't know. They, they paid it with, like, peroxide hair... Gel or something like this. No, in honor of our fifth anniversary, what is your uh, favorite pop culture from your fifth anniversary? When you were five years old on this earth, what uh, is is the thing? Everyone, drink. Though, gentlemen, take it easy. We are pre gaming, and it is a long night ahead of us. Uh, we are not as young as we used to be. In fact, we're five years older than when we began this <laughs> website. Uh, and we're five times as handsome, each and every one of us. Right. It's funny how it scales that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the, man, the, the man who begins, and our host tonight, in whose fine living room we are sitting, Mr. Matthew Belenke. All right, so when I was five years old, I was a, a huge fan of Danger Mouse, uh, which is back uh, back in the day, uh, Nickelodeon did not have enough original content to fill uh, their schedule. And so they picked up some from the BBC. Um, Danger Mouse being one. Uh, Count Duckula was the other half of that hour. And, of course, we all remember fondly David the Gnome. Mm-hmm. Always some gnome, a little, little girl gnome who was sick. Some mushroom is going to fix her up, but it's in a <laughs> temple and there's trolls. Got to jump on the fox. Mount up, everybody. Um <laughs> That was all too intense for me. No, uh, I didn't see this. <laughs> yeah. But I really loved Danger Mouse. And here's the thing. So, like, you know, uh, years went by, and I, I didn't see it between the time when I was six and, like, two years ago. And then I finally picked up a DVD, and I do not understand a word that they are saying. <laughs> their, their, their accents are so thick, and the, the slang is so impenetrable that, that it makes, it makes the, the, the new Sherlock... Uh, seem seem like uh, seem like the Sopranos in terms of uh, <laughs> well, the, how American their accents the two, are. The two villains in particular are particularly inaccessible, if I remember correctly, because one of them is a frog that talks in this like hideous rasp, like hello, and the other one is this is this crow that talks in this really thick Cockney slang. Right? Do I do I remember correctly? So you mean like like Batman and uh, Alfred the Butler? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so picture, picture Christian Bale's Batman as the villain, and a and a, a 1960s Michael Caine as his henchman, and that's that's a pretty good sense of Danger Mouse's opposition right there. Hello, yeah. I'm Michael Caine, the evil butler. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> Pete Benzel next in the alphabet. Woo! So I remember when I was four and a half was when I saw my first movie. In the theater. And my first movie in the theater was the Care Bears movie. So I remember that. That's right. Pump in the fist. Boom. 
Uh, with the green... She with the red eyes? Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> that movie scared the crap out of me. It was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. The, the green sort of like oddly sexual lady. It made me afraid of books. Yeah. I but didn't the, want to read it for it because the book might corrupt me. Exactly. That was their secret plan. You drop books, you end up buying Care Bears to hug and comfort you. Yeah. It was an evil plan. Yeah, I actually wrote an overthinking article about my Care Bear-related anxieties some time ago. <laughs> which was like, like from our tender-hearted leader or something like that. It's about how they're like... They live in like a, a sky fortress with like like airborne mobile assault vehicles <laughs> and like they have like monitors for all the emotions on the planet and they find an unacceptable emotion then they like go there with a bunch of like anthropomorphic bears that shoot lasers out of their selves and then they just stare at you. <laughs> so you change your mind. I've said this before in the podcast, so I'm going to say that. But I'm going to I'm going to take a quick moment to say like I have like a very early dark memory, like to the point where I only barely remember it uh, of being very very fond. Of Unico, the last unicorn, uh, and I remember that was like a preschool thing, and I think five is almost like kindergarten. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like so pre five year old Pete has this like had, was like really fun of this weird dark Japanese unicorn cartoon, and then like I got into Care Bears and He Man and other and then more masculine stuff like the Ninja Turtles eventually, but uh, it sort of went away. But I always have this. I, I every once in a while I go back to YouTube and I start watching the Unico that they have on. Uh, on the YouTubes, and it's weird. Like, I sort of connect with it, I sort of don't. I like can't watch too much of it. So it's like it's like a strange. I don't know. Like like really isolated early memories. Like I remember the first time that I looked at a glass full of water. Like that's how I feel about this particular anime, which is kind of strange. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Where did you find dark Jan- Japanese unicorn anime at five? I think it was on the Disney Channel. <laughs> <laughs> is, is Unico the name of the unicorn? It's either that or some sort of industrial corporation. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> No, that's the company that like mines unicorns for fuel service. <laughs> I'm gonna like look it up. Wow, it's like the end of Cloud Atlas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. It's UNESCO a, the unicorn. UNESCO. <laughs> no, Unicorn the last unicorn is is an actual thing. Yeah, it's a baby unicorn with white fur, a pink mane, and little cinnamon bun shaped ears. <laughs> that's like Pan the that's last a, panda, right? And it has the incredible power of making people happy. Which is, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to all my subsequent things that I liked, uh, which had the power of shooting them or hitting them with swords, uh, which is not. And then in my older age, I've sort of coming around. It's like happiness is more important yeah, like, than stabbing. I'm going to give this happiness thing a second chance. <laughs> it's certainly better than shooting things. So, yeah. <laughs> Next in the alphabet, Mark Lee. Okay, I was five years old in the year 1987. Uh, and I would really like to say that uh, my favorite pop culture from 1987 were the seminal movies Robocop and Predator, which came out in 1987. My parents weren't quite that cool to let me watch R-rated gritty action movies then. We had the kids who were troubled and had bad parenting who saw those movies in the theater when, yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. seven. Yeah, exactly. So instead, I'm going to go with the TV show that was on the air at the time, The Real Ghostbusters. Um, I'd never even seen yeah. the actual Ghostbusters movie, but um, I knew enough about Ghostbusters to think that they were awesome. Uh, but I also really love the fact that the TV show was called The Real Ghostbusters because it implied that somewhere out there there were fake Ghostbusters <laughs> oh, you're impersonating. I know there's a great backstory behind this, but yeah. my five-year-old self was like, oh, there's like knockoff Ghostbusters in some other forlorn corner of these United <laughs> States or perhaps China. <laughs> or they're like knockoff Ghostbusters. It would have been Japan, the would have been Japan in the 80s, right? Your yeah. xenophobic Asian-like uh, counterpart. That's right. Yeah, 1987, China wasn't even quite advanced enough to make knockoff Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> Japan was doing that. Or actually, probably Korea or Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, Taiwan probably. Yeah, the ED-409 of Ghostbusters. ED-209. Sorry, sorry. Go sit in the corner. There, there was actually another property called Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly. That predates the Ghostbusters that we know and love yeah. with Dan Aykroyd at all. Um, and it was due to some various legal wranglings that they were able to make the movie called Ghostbusters, but the subsequent animated television show based on that movie had to be called, ironically, the real Ghostbusters because they were kind of the not-so-real Did Michael C. Gross talk about this on our, on our podcast? Well, yeah, he did. What yeah. he said, what Michael C. Gross said when we interviewed him on our podcast was that they had committed to it by... Well, so, okay, he said a couple things about it. One was the reason the teaser poster was the the uh, ghost with the line through it, with the red circle and the line through it, was that they actually didn't have the rights to the title at the point when the teaser poster had to be made and had to 
get put out to promote the movie. But then they used the text Ghostbusters like on the side of the van or so, on the side of the ambulance or something in the uh, in the movie. And so it was like, guys, we better have this. No, no, no. It was, it was, it was, they were chanting. The crowd was chanting, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. 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 They were shooting the scene. He was oh, on right. the phone with the lawyers. <laughs> they were like, listen to this. You know? <laughs> hey, I think this is this new sound yeah. you've been looking for. You know that title you're looking for? <laughs> Uh, Josh McNeil next in the alphabet. All right, so I, I don't really remember this, but my, my parents tell the story. I was five in 1984, uh, and apparently used to really like uh, listening to Ronald Reagan. Because <laughs> uh, he was grandfatherly and like maybe sort of like sleepy. <laughs> like, like my grandparents were 2,000 miles away, and he was, he was there. I don't really remember that. I do remember... Uh, Books by Matt Christopher. Oh, yeah. You guys read those? Oh, okay. totally. These were like, uh, was it a kid who always hit homers? Yep. These were a sort of series lefty. of sports-themed books for little kids. Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Catcher with a Glass Arm was one of my favorites. Johnny Longlegs, Dirt Bike Racer. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, and I realized that, that it was those books, because I, I remember this one guy in my class really liked him, and so he was sort of the cool kid in the class, so everybody ended up reading all these books. And that was the beginning and end of me liking sports at all. Uh, was like I read through all of those books, and from then on, I was just done. I was like, I got it all out of my system at five. So thanks to that, I've had free time to do nothing. Ronald Reagan, on the other hand, has stuck with you ever since. Well, yeah, no, clearly these the, the sort of gentle, soothing tones with which I speak, you know, here to you, to, to my loved ones, mommy. I tried to make the, I tried to make the jump up from Matt Christopher to John R. Tunis and was relatively unsuccessful. He's a more serious, ambitious sort of writer, but it, I don't know. Keystone Kids, I think, is what it was called. It was about like a, a second baseman and a shortstop and their relationship. Huh. Um, I, I found it less whimsical than uh, than all of the Matt Christopher stuff. Sure, so I went basically from Matt Christopher to Moneyball. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sorkin really, I think, took it to the next level. <laughs> nice. <laughs> John Parrish next in the alphabet. What up, what up, what up? So, Fenzel, I was shaking my fist earlier because you stole mine with oh, the no. Care Bears movie. Oh, no! By, by stealing that. And, and I mean, my, you, you covered it admirably. And the one comment I would add is that I think, and I think I mentioned this in the podcast before, but I think I developed my lifelong fascination slash sympathy with villains based on <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, one of the... One of the uh, the Howartiers or tragic flaws of the villain is that he was a kid who couldn't do cartwheels. <laughs> and like, that frustrated him so immensely that he turned to evil, of course. <laughs> and I couldn't do cartwheels as a kid because even even uh, though I was much shorter, you know, I had similar proportions now, so I couldn't really get my legs up and over. I didn't really have the, the wherewithal or the courage to try that. So I was like, ah, I can't do cartwheels either. I should retreat to, you know, isolation and read books and become evil and stuff like that. <laughs> so I, I can see where the villain was coming from, and that's stuck with me ever since. But, uh, so with Care Bear movie being taken, I will go with with the next bit of obscure pop culture-iana, which comes from, you know, the 1986-87 period, which is the uh, uh, the DIC TV series Photon. Ooh, the, the nice. The Photon uh, laser tag game, which, which Ooh, blew up wow. the country in that period. I had, yeah, I wanted laser tag so bad, and I got Photon for Christmas one year. It was oh. scarring. <laughs> it's really not the same. You were one of the kids who got one of those things. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's so hard. It's but, so, yeah. so hard. We were both in L.A. at the time, and the LAPD had just, like, shot a kid with the laser tag. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, no. it, was, it was, like, big news, and so and the, Photon and then, suddenly sold really well. <laughs> and then the cop who did that was put on a desk job, and then was outside Nakatomi Plaza when the terror <laughs> <laughs> I remember that show. Wasn't it like really aggressively blue screened? Oh yes, yeah. terribly blue screened. Yeah. Not, not that you could tell in 1986. So what we're, what we're talking about is a show based on a toy, based on a more popular toy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the, the concept is that you know there were there were photo and there were actual like photon like arenas at various points throughout you know various malls throughout the country. And the concept mm-hmm. of the show is that. These arenas are really recruiting stations for an intergalactic war, and like it's the like best yeah. and the best photon player in America, who's uh, I forget what his ac- I think his actual name is Chris. Yeah, his actual <laughs> name is Chris. <laughs> but he but he goes by the in-game name of Bodie Lee, who sounds exotic. <laughs> so he's like the best photon player in America. So he gets recruited to like this intergalactic you know, commando squad of photon fighters who are all, like, aliens from other planets, and they, like, fly around blue-screen galaxies and have to, like, play what are essentially photon matches in, uh, like, in other planets of the world to, like, save planets from being made evil and various, various nonsense. 
and it was terribly shot, terribly <laughs> written. Uh, but, I wonder if it if it keeps right. Like I wonder if it feels dated if you watch it now. <laughs> oh, you, if you look up a few clips you can find on YouTube, it's uh, it's phenomenally dated. But uh, my my one and I'll I'll jump off after this. But the the one bit that sticks sticks with me is you know it's on on Saturday morning, so it was one of the few things that you know other kids watch, and we would pretend to be the aliens from Photon, and we'd be like, oh, okay, I'm Bodie Lee, and you're going to be Pike, and you're going to be that other guy. <laughs> and I, was, I was very conscious at the time of not having a central resource of, like, what the names of these characters were, because, like, when you played G.I. Joe or something, you'd be like, oh, I'm Hawk, oh, I'm Duke, I'm Snake Eyes, and you had, like, the cards that came at the back of the thing, so mm-hmm. there was a... There was a canon, or like a, a, a show bible, or at least, or a reference of like <laughs> what the names of the characters were and what yeah. their hierarchy was. But unless you'd like, unless you'd watched the episode of Photon where they named that guy, it's like, oh, I'm that weird looking tubby orange alien. <laughs> you know what's his name? And like, there was there was no Wikipedia back then. So there was no central reference that you could go to to be like to familiarize yourself with the show's mythology. And that was immensely frustrating for me at the time. And right? so many of the shows had songs that explained the names of all the characters. Now they that did. I think about <laughs> it, like, <laughs> yeah. like that, that's how that's how you knew that's how you knew what to ask your parents for. It's like remember this thing? Yeah. It's a toy that's out now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the power glove. It's so bad. <laughs> So things like, well, actually, the, the, the wizard um, ties in with this and The Last Starfighter is, like, wish-fulfillment movies that don't even try. <laughs> like, they're just actually fulfilling the, the direct wish of the children. Yes. There's not, like, a metaphor at all. No, no, no. It's, it's yeah. literally, like, you, you play this game so well, you now have the power to save the world. I was going to say it tied in with uh, Shaq Fu and Star Wars Pod Racer by having one white guy character you're supposed to care about and a whole bunch of aliens who are tied <laughs> and nondescript. That was always weird. If you play the N64 Pod Racer game, it's like, you could be Anakin Skywalker or this guy <laughs> or this other guy. Like, you don't even have Saboba until like, much, much later. <laughs> they don't even like stretch and put a Wookiee in it or anything. They do you no favors. Like, none. <laughs> also, I... Bodhi is the name of the guy from Point Break. Yes. Yeah, 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 so there are two Bodies. <laughs> All right, I'm last. Um, I'm going to give an honorable mention before I give my actual answer. I was being taken uh, on weekends uh, by my dad when I was five to the La Brea Tar Pits, where nearby there was a, a movie theater that on weekend morning showed matinees of old Disney animated movies. Yes. And so I saw the whole, I may have mentioned it before, so I saw like the canon of Disney animated movies sort mm-hmm. of one Saturday at a time. And the most recent one, um, I, I think prob- the Black Cauldron came out that oh, year, but the, 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 I, but that was you see that was first released, so I don't think that was in the kind of the repertory program of this Saturday morning thing. The most recent one at that time was the Fox and the Hound. Oh, so good, right? Oh. And so that's my that's my sort of movie memory from that. But like for the thing that actually captivated me, that like when I would go outside and play and like want to like you know I don't know pretend I was someone. The answer. Is an audio clue. Bump a dum pa dum. Bump a dum pa dum. Bump a Inspector Gadget. And I would, so I like spent a long time uh, when I was five running around the front yard yelling like go go gadget copter and imagining that the handlebars sprouted out of my gray hat and that I could, you know, control myself as I I flew around and that my neck got really long for inexplicable reasons. See, it's it's weird that that's that's the character. Well, I mean, it makes sense in a way because, you know, he's fun, has cybernetic powers. Uh, I had, I similarly identified with Gizmo Duck from DuckTales for similar reasons, even though he was mostly a comic relief character. Like, when he was introduced, it was like, oh, I want to be Gizmo Duck, because even though he's kind of goofy, he, like, has cyborg powers. And when you're that age and you're a, a, an American male who doesn't want to have cyborg powers. Jeez, yeah. But, uh, or Gidget. But the, uh, <laughs> but the, the issue is, like, if you recall from the show, Inspector Gadget is the least competent character. Like, he almost barely qualifies as the protagonist. Yeah, it's a sort of proto-Phineas and Ferb in that respect. Yeah, because right? the, the mystery is always solved by, you know, his, like, Platypus. His eleven his eleven year old uh, his eleven year old niece. Who has the iPad, right? And and a dog. Yeah, who has the book? Yeah, who yeah. has the proto iPad and the dog named Brain who has the radio uh, collar. Yeah, the radio collar. I always yeah. thought that Brain was the dog from Duck Hunt. <laughs> like, 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 kind of, he was always like laughing at Inspector Gadget in the same way. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hit any ducks. Oh yeah, no, I did not. Uh, but Penny, 
did you have a crush on Penny or did you hate Penny? I feel like that's a dividing line. Of our I was five years old, so like having crushes wasn't a thing that that I did at the time. I guess my two best friends were like tomboyish girls at the time, so it yeah. wasn't. But did, like... did any of them identify as Penny? Like, did you play Inspector Gadget and they were they were Penny, so they could like actually solve the mystery while you flew around on on stuff? <laughs> Doctor Gadget, <Or> Inspector Gadget, <laughs> whatever. You know. uh, <laughs> no, 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 never mind. I mean, this is why you still run around in a gray trench coat. All <laughs> Absolutely. With things popping up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll get you rather. <laughs> I just rem- I remember on the playground identifying with a show that ran a little later uh, called C.O.P.S. <laughs> yes. Cops. Cops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I looked it up and it actually is an acronym. Of course, it stands for Central Organization of Police Specialists. <laughs> uh, and like, yeah, there was a gang. We have two little gangs of kids in like kindergarten. Like, this must have been first grade. Oh, not Foxes, not Foxes Cops. No, 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 like no. The, car- the cartoon series. Yeah, okay. and like one of them had, for cybernetic powers, one of them had like a, a robot arm yes, kind of thing. Yes, long arm. Yeah, That's long arm, long arm of the law, exactly. He shot like a bionic commando style clamp from the end of his <laughs> arm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and there was a gang of kids who would chase the girls, and then my gang of kids who would chase the guys who chased the girls and beat them up for chasing the girls. Uh, and we were the cops, and they were the crooks. And we, yeah, it was, it was, an, it was like a rivalry. With this, with this other, with were the girls kid. like a willing part of this game, or uh, did they know that they were part of well, it? Well, we, I never interacted with them directly. I mean, I have four sisters, like, so. But, I, but, like, but like you, just going, just going with the trend of Western civilization. Where would you bet the girls were willing or not? <laughs> I, I, I bet they, they, they've got those uh, those fortune telling devices that they're busy with. They don't need they don't they don't need protection. <laughs> they, they're meddling with powers that you can't possibly comprehend. Yeah, the, the, yeah the, you the, know the fortune telling yeah, device. Yeah. It was out of altruism to try to help the girls that I did because, like, rather I had a lot of female friends, and they, my parents efforted to try to convince me not to buy into gender norms and whatnot, and like appreciate women as equal possibilities for friends and, and such, and capable of masculine things. So. I beat up other dudes who gave him trouble. We did not confirm the gender. Shattering it. Shattering expectation. <laughs> it would take a long time and a lot of unlistening to Richard Marks before I figured that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, I mean, when I was when I was that age, there were girls who played with with My Little Ponies. Uh, my, my Little Ponies first gen, I should clarify. <laughs> yeah. yeah, OG for the sake for the sake of the current <laughs> right. canon. And I, I remember, I remember being sort of interested by you know, like My Little Ponies at that time. They had a, a really complex hierarchy and mythology, the same way that you know GI Joes or Transformers did, because they were like different ponies and they lived in a mm-hmm. pony world of some sort. And I remember being like interested in how it shook out, but realizing you know on a deep and obvious level that oh, I can't be interested in this because it's girl stuff. But I really kind of am interested in because it, it has a complex story behind it. You know. Gender norms, yeah. There were a the lot world of building of Pony World was really intriguing. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of Transformer Pony crossover fights in my home. Uh, we had like the whole basement floor would be full of all the different kinds of toys, and I had the Transformers and the He Man and the Ninja Turtles, and my sisters had the Barbies. If and only the Hasbro. I mean, Hasbro could have made like three billion dollars off of what was going on in your basement. <laughs> they could make three billion dollars off it now. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, scrap, they, yeah. They did make many billions of dollars <laughs> off it. How, yeah. how, how do you think the toys got there? <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta say. I, I've always been mildly unnerved about fictional worlds in which the characters clearly are physically incapable of building the structures in which they live. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I'm thinking, like, who made that castle? They don't have thumbs. <laughs> and here's the thing, but, but recently it's been less My Little Pony, and more the, the Cars universe is really disturbing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because the Cars, like, they have stadiums, they have houses, <laughs> they have gas stations. Who made all this but stuff? Aren't there, aren't there gas-powered vehicles that have like claw that have you know claws and sh- steam shovels? I, I just I haven't seen enough of the cars verse to really be able to say that <laughs> the, like the it could have evolved that way. If you will. The yeah. cars versus <laughs> yeah. But- I don't know. They the just don't have hands. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> cars most. Mm-hmm. Um, are they ever shown refueling? I mean, like you know, they, yeah. There's like you know fuel arms that come and stick in them and. <laughs> Do you remember that mystery science theater that was all about that that film that like either Navy or Air Force film where the plane was getting mid-air refueling refueling in midair, which involves a you know a a phallic piece and a yonic piece 
right, in order to accomplish the and there the, all the the jokes were like refueling is a beautiful natural process. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't mean. that also the hardest level of the Top Gun NES game? Yeah, to do that, and it was just I just gave up. That was the yeah. first video game. I was like, you know what? I have better things. To that do that was that was the hardest thing. The second hardest part being landing on the aircraft carrier. Oh, oh God, <laughs> I've never. I've never. I, I've survived so many dogfights against the Chinese. <laughs> Only they did like slammed my dad on the deck of my own aircraft carrier. Wasn't the Chinese in Top Gun? <laughs> I don't think so, wasn't it? Was it I'm Chinese? almost positive it was. Uh, wasn't it uh, Russians? It was a MiG. In the movie, they're Russians. I don't think it's the Russians. I think they were the Iranians. It was like names over the Persian Gulf and that, the, the, the time. I remember? The, that was sort of Top Gun is like one of these movies play. that like the ending of it, you know, they go back to the carrier and like they're really happy, but they shouldn't be because they've just started a major war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, that, that movie had just, it had an advantage over every other like Cold War movie in that the dudes all wore black helmets. Like, you couldn't see who they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um, I feel like a lot of other movies would have been a lot better if they'd not had to identify a nation that they were then at war with. Right, 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 right. right. Or, like, just make them into robots. That's the easy one. It is. I still remember when I was very little, my parents prohibited me from having toys that had, that were people with guns, but I could have robots with guns. Uh, because robots killing robots, like, that wasn't uh, necessarily a bad thing. The old oh, robot that's, escape clause. That's the only yeah. possible hope for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how Ninja Turtles got away with it. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, like, all the ninjas are really robots. They, they were like, yeah, like, two of two of our characters have edged weapons where, where, where their, their optimal strategy is to stab and cut. How do we deal with this? And they're like, you know what? They're just going to fight a lot of robots. <laughs> well, like in the movies, though, like the, it turns out that having two katanas is useful only for disarming people. Yeah, yes. it's like they'll basically like you know use their blades to sort of like get you off balance and then kick you. Or, yeah. bitch, or shell. Yeah. The shell yeah. Of the and I feel like because of that kind of obvious discontinuity, noticing it as a child... I came to grossly underestimate the destructive force of blunt force trauma weapons. <laughs> it's sort of like, well, a sword will actually hurt you. But what is getting hit by a staff going to do to you? Jeez. And it's like, no, that'll send you to a freaking hospital. Like, <laughs> you can get killed, you know? Like, like the idea that if you're a knight in a suit of armor and you get hit by a mace... It's like, oh, the armor will protect you, you know? No, it's no, giant. Ma- maces were, in fact, designed to deal with the armor yeah. problem. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, on evil weaponry, the, the other sort of 80s thing that, did, that blew my mind was uh, the He-Man universe. Right. Yeah. In which there were about six people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like, you ran the castle. Skeletor had another castle. Mm-hmm. There was no one in between. There were no peasants. There, were, there was, you like... You must have small folk somewhere. <laughs> They were, uh, they were, no, I mean, perhaps it was just the, the sort of viewpoint of the nobility. You right. never saw the small folk. Well, I, 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 you say six people. I thought you were going to say there were like six human beings and the rest were all like moss creatures or three eyed <laughs> right. you know, mutants. Secretly snakes. Or, 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 or lion men and things like that. Like, in which case, it's clearly a metaphor for the late stages of colonialism, where it's like, this is the, this is the last of the ruling families and like they, they don't really have control over the populace anymore, but it's just like, the, a dwindling empire that's, you know, faded yeah. out of this one corner of the galaxy. Like, oh, there's, you know, we live in a castle and we have to acknowledge the vestiges of nobility, even though there's a uh, there's an insurgency class led by a man with a skull mask that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's trying to trying to usurp us. I forgot that Queen Victoria kept the Raj in place by pointing a sword at a small elephant and making it a bigger... <laughs> <laughs> I mean... T- can we just spare a minute to talk about the He-Man uniform, the universe and gender norms a little bit? Actually, let's talk about the He-Man uniforms and gender norms a little bit. But, see, I mean, that, that fur bikini bottom was, uh, you know. But uh, I, I, what I specifically want to bring up is the difference between by the power of Grayskull and right. for the honor, honor of Grayskull. Grayskull. Yeah. Right? By the power of Grayskull is an intin- intrinsic quality of Grayskull, uh, Grayskull that He-Man can draw on. But the honor of Grayskull is something that is under threat. Well, she's a cheerleader for Grayskull. Right, yeah, right. essentially, like, I'm doing this for the honor of Grayskull, because the honor of Grayskull is under threat, and only my <laughs> feminine-ness, amplified into She-Ra, can prevent it from being lost to whatever force uh, is attempting to penetrate uh, within the honor of Grayskull, you know? So you're, so if He-Man were equally willing to defend the honor of Grayskull as draw upon his power, he could have been twice as strong, right? Because he could have had... Because is it, I guess only because she's feminine, she's cap- She-Ra is capable of doing it. I mean, do you guys remember She-Ra as being like a more sophisticated show? I have a vague memory of it being like a slightly more sophisticated well, show. Well, I think it was dialogue. 
Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, and also it came later, so right. it had like the the excesses and the failings of of He Man to learn from. It. Right, right, right. Well, right. I, I guess there's also a slightly less joking argument to be made that at that point they had built up enough of a, a canon in the He Man universe. It's like, oh, okay, now we can play with the, the character concepts a little more. Yeah, Skeletor and Hordak are very different villains. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're basically saying like Shira is to Frasier as He Man is to Shira. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. It's that, except uh, well, there were any, there were no romance plots in either of those shows, right? I guess there might have been. There was a woman in He Man that He Man was into, right? Or was he not into her? Oh, it's a princess. No, I mean, uh, I, th- I think it was a young enough target audience that they weren't into each other, but they they sort of left the roles out there for right. care, for kids or who were of that age or who aged into that range. To, yeah, yeah. To, I guess hang you know hang romantic labels on, but they never assign anything in context. Right, right, right. I'd love to see a 2013 version of these shows that's sort of like less gender normative called like G-Person. <laughs> oh. I was going to say I'd love to see like a Downton Abbey kind of show that takes place like around like Grayskull and like... <laughs> Downstairs, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although, did anyone actually live in Grayskull? The sorceress lived in Grayskull, right? Like, Grayskull wasn't He-Man's home. Is it like Man of Arms hanging out up there? Yeah. <laughs> Man of Arms hanging out a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> but Grayskull was a different castle than He-Man's castle. It was like a secret castle. Did Man of Arms long to have a name? It's like, I'm not just my title. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm more than my job. I'm Gordon. We've been friends for decades. He watched Fight Club and you start crying. Look at these pictures of my grandkids, okay? <laughs> Oh, man. I remember when my sister, one of my sisters was born in 1985, so when I was five years old, and or I was four and a half and change, um, and I remember getting a He-Man toy, like, for the occasion of her birth, that was, a, I was like, modeled after the Roman god Janus, and it was a dude who had three faces. Yes. Ah. Yeah, do you remember what his name was? I don't remember what his name was. Yeah, I, I think it might literally have been three-face or yeah. tri-face. Or <laughs> yeah, something. yeah, exactly, exactly. But, uh, tri- triclops? Uh, so, someone get on this. But yeah, but he had a human face that was kind of stern, a robot face, and like a green monster face, and a giant cylindrical head. And I think he was a good guy. Or was he a bad I treated him like a good guy. He might have been a bad guy. Uh, but I just remember that being a very big feature of 1985 for me. Uh, I remember thinking like, holding that toy in my hand and being like, this is the age everyone should be forever. I remember thinking that when I was four and a half. I was like, okay, we've got it. We settled it. <laughs> we've, we've peaked. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I vaguely, like, was he one of the ones where, like, he was a, a double agent or he could change yes. times based on, like, which face he had going? Because, mm-hmm. like, there's the evil face and there's the robot face. I believe so. I believe yeah. so. You know what occurs to me on, like, a lot of the... Man-E man man e faces. Man-E man faces. E faces. Man-E wow. faces. <laughs> wow, that is... That is ma- How is that punctuated? Uh, M-A-N, uh, capital M-A-N, hyphen, capital E, hyphen, capital F-A-C-E-S. God, so, so the E is not a, a, a first letter of a middle name. <laughs> no, 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 no. And he was referred to as Manny, so he was apparently uh, of Latin descent. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, I was just going to say, it occurred to me that, like, the 80s has, like, a lot of these sort of, like royalty characters, leader characters, were sort of like leaders without a country. Yeah. Because there's He-Man and then uh, there's a Thundercats. Yep. Where it's sort of the world is a hostile place and you don't really have a kingdom. And then I'm thinking Transformers. Mm-hmm. Where it's sort of like, you know, uh, Optimus Prime is this sort of noble leader, mm-hmm. but he's like, he doesn't, his people are pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. Like, it's unclear what he's fighting for now. Right, right, right. So. Do you think that that has something to do with Japan? Or, uh, and like, like post-nuclear Japan, or... It's like people looking for something to fight for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, how can it be a person without it? Like, what's the significance of it being a man without a country, or a woman without a country? How about the the Romanovs? Yeah, it's about the Romanovs. It's about about the Romanovs. It's all the czar. Exactly. Like, Anastasia. Another Richard Marks. There we go. Comes full circle. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're five years old, everybody. Five years old, everybody. (laughs) That was a great excuse to go to extra long disquisition on the E-Man universe. Yeah, That was great. Oh, man. I mean, we should should turn five more often, you guys. (laughs) It may also have something to do with, I guess, the, you know, post- Post-Vietnam, or I guess the increased tendency or the increased visibility of the of the U.S., you know, being the world consumer power at that time, in fighting wars in places other than its backyard. So, mm. like, you know, you know, the Transformers are these super-powered soldiers who travel a great distance to defend evil in a country that's not their own. It's like, right. oh, this is where the bad guys are, so this is where we have to fight. Yeah. Sorry, humans, who were 40 feet taller than and can easily squash, but we will lend you our awesome weaponry and power if you'll help us fight these evil robots. Right. And the humans are like, wait, we didn't even know there were evil robots. 
didn't the evil robot show up here only because you guys showed up? He was like, no, 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 too late. <laughs> Don't, can't pay attention to that. Help us fight, yeah. help us fight these robots. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, it's over an energy resource that's only useful to us, so give us as much as possible, please. It, it's interesting because it is sort of neo-colonialist, right? Like, I'm trying to think of, it, of examples of this kind of fiction where the person goes to defend a faraway place and it is their country. I like sort of like was that like a Robinson Crusoe kind of thing where like he goes off to the island and he like makes his home and he wants to defend it. Sort of a Planet of the Apes story. Where <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it was Earth. Home. You maniac! You you blew it up. Uh, <laughs> oh, but yeah, but it is interesting that it's like you sort of claim disinterest. Yeah, like you sort of claim like I'm just doing this for the good of the people who live here. And it, there isn't that sort of uh, self... There isn't even a self-glorification too much overtly. I mean, He-Man doesn't even... You know, the secrecy of it, right? Like, nobody knows that Prince Adam is He-Man, though it's hard to figure out exactly how that works out. Yeah, he's the only other human on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> and never, it's, it's like Superman in a, like, four-person town. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody knows he's Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! So guys, we we got this party later that we're going to. I we think do. it's going to be it's going to be really awesome, right? Yeah, yeah, I think we're excited about. It. It's good to have things to celebrate. That's exciting. Well, what 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 do we have to celebrate? I mean, like I know this might be a little self indulgent in the you know <laughs> what? No. Chair? In what's the, podcast? <laughs> self indulgent in the in the you know what's awesome us vein of self indulgence. <laughs> Is that uh, a really used category? I never think of it yet. <laughs> that sorry that well I've said I mean. You you know that the founding myth of overthinking it is is the day I said to you know the original group of writers, hey guys, you know what's awesome? Us. And that, <laughs> and that, that original yeah. group of writers included Jordan Stokes and Fenzel and Belinky and Sheely also was on the train uh, very early on, and it took it took us a while to sort of find our to find our voice, which which I feel like was dictated to us by the choice of name. But we sort of didn't realize that yeah. at the time, and we were still doing things like doing like three line link posts, or maybe that was mostly me. But uh, you know, at the time, and, and now look, we're all we're all grown up. We're, we we don't poop in diapers anymore mm-hmm. as a website. We what are some other like uh, milestones associated with being five? Right, like we can we can ride the bus all by ourselves. We go. You to put pick. a five year old on the bus by themselves. <laughs> I don't know. Is it a school bus? Oh, I suppose. Yeah, not like a public bus. <laughs> no, you no. don't just like give them a metro car and tell them to find uh, Cody Island. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, could. I mean, you know, get kids self reliant at an earlier age. You know, it's New York, like count. I think if, if you want to see our the development of this site as kind of a microcosm for any sort of larger cultural narrative, I guess, and that's sort of what I was thinking about, is that like we're this is a group of people that derives a lot of social capital from other places that we've known each other, where we've kind of been thrust together. I know John from improv. I know most of you guys from college. Uh, but there is sort of in the in this sort of people marrying later, people forming families later, uh, and also the the rise of. Uh, the sort of, uh, hopefully, well, not hopefully, but it seems like relatively brief, uh, uh, coincident rise of technolo- technological communication and decline of social capital that right. happened, right? Where it's like people got on, you know, the TVs and the computers and they stopped talking to their friends uh, because everything was kind sorry, of... Sorry, sorry, just, just hold on one second while yeah. I finish this tweet. Okay, sorry. What were you saying? I'm thinking of like the bowling alone phenomenon, right? right? Where it's like people didn't stop bowling; they just stopped bowling in groups. And there was there's this tremendous amount of anxiety that then, especially in the United States, because that's where a lot of this was being studied. And the United States, very transient country, people move around a lot, very modular. People change jobs a lot. Um, you know, although there's no social capital, there's no anchoring, and particularly for young people, where it isn't exactly clear how you're going to go forward and make your way as an adult especially after, you know, college, uh, especially at a time when employment after college has become, like, a complex proposition, uh, you know, like, having having a, some way of sort of threading the needle, right, is, and I think that this site has been like that for us, and I think, at least to an extent, and I think that people have constructed other similar sorts of things, right? Like, and with the aid of, you know, internet friendships, like message boards, and... I feel like fantasy football teams is this for most people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For, like, well, yeah, for a lot of Yeah, people. if Tocqueville came to America nowadays, <laughs> you'd be talking about, like, fantasy draft. Like, he would be doing fantasy draft rather than writing about history, and <laughs> or he would be, like, talking about... No, it. yeah, that's what he would be talking about in terms of the, like, yeah. the, the social organizations that he is so amazed by in this 
Who's yeah, he'd be like, I can't believe I'm stuck with Mark Sanchez in a keeper league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, Americans really like bowling. <laughs> also, I have this really totally cool girlfriend who lives in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> sure thing, Tokeville. Sure thing. <laughs> uh, 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 why is, is, that, is this something that makes people sad? I, is that something we should address on the podcast, the, the Monty Teo controversy? Sure. I mean, it's, 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 it's passed into pop culture now. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's no longer just one thing happening to one person. It's, yeah. you know, it's a touchstone that we, that we all share. I guess. Uh, I mean, it is, of course, it is, of course, immensely sad in that either of the two possible outcomes, either that he was hoaxed or that he was in on it, are both kind of tragic either way. Right. Uh, but, I mean, it, it also speaks to the, I mean, it speaks to the complexity of the social technological experience in that, uh, you know, in that in that a, a hoax like this is even possible. Mm-hmm. And, and it's possible to even, in theory, be misled for this long about the existence of a person in a way that, well, I guess you could do it with letters, like, 30 years ago, but, mm. you know. You... Catfishing people with parchment is kind of tough. Like, is that, is that a verb now, catfishing? To like, yeah, has anybody seen it. the movie Catfish? God, no. Why would no, you do that no. to yourself? Well, but we all sort of <laughs> vaguely understand its premise well enough to, like, use it as a verb, despite the fact that, like, only, like, you know, oh, yeah. 5,000 people in the United States saw <laughs> it's like It's like men are from Mars, women are from Venus. You hear the title and you instantly understand the concept without having to read the book. Right. It's, it's like maybe he's just not that into you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You understand exactly what it's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I didn't, oh, it's a little, it's a little less self-explanatory uh, than this. <laughs> a little bit less. A little yeah. bit less. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, a catfish is like I totally get that. Just by the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Online, yeah, online fraud, yeah. pretending that uh, you know. Yeah, for people that don't know what we're talking about, which I guess is possible, is we're talking about what a Notre Dame high school, a Notre Dame college football player. Mark just had to Google it for me. So. Mark, do you want to explain it? <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. So sure. Notre Dame, prominent college football athlete built up a mythology around himself about his uh, supposed girlfriend who uh, got in a horrible car crash and uh, contracted leukemia around the same time. And like the, soft, the, the sad story continued through the course of the football season, and uh, he claimed that she died like, right before the end of the season, before, he, um, before Notre Dame played for the national championship. And then shortly thereafter, found that the entire thing was a fabrication. This woman never... Existed. Now, did uh, he win the Heisman? Or he did not win no, the Heisman, but he, he was part of the Heisman Northern yeah. National Championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like Matt Christopher and Judy Bloom wrote a book together. And obviously, part of the controversy surrounding it is, uh, or it, it works on several levels. So it's an also also an interesting touchstone of the way that uh, online media has developed over, say, the last five years. In that this story was broken by the uh, the sports blog Deadspin. And this was after, you know, several prominent networks, ESPN, CNN, etc., had interviewed uh, Monteteo in depth, and, you know, talked about his his dead girlfriend and talked about how hard it was for him, you know. And this, this story that had largely gone undisco- untouched and uninvestigated by mainstream media and was broken by a blog that... Not quite on the fringe. I mean, Deadspin is a is a big enough blog, but doesn't Gawker Media Group get like billions of hits a day? I mean, they yes. are mainstream. But I mean, at, at the same time, oh. you, you know, Deadspin doesn't quite have the cachet that you know you would expect Sports Illustrated to. Like, no ESPN Sports Center. <laughs> no, no one from Deadspin is on the shortlist for a Pulitzer this year, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, did they give any Pulitzers this year? <laughs> they just have given up, right? Are they still doing that? Well, they, they didn't give one last year for fiction, right? They didn't. Was that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, they, They're just like, screw it. Nothing's good enough. No. Yeah, but that happens all the time for drama. It's a you oh. know scandal every time it happens. Right, 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 right. Well, the Pulitzer has this weird mandate where it's not just about what's good. It's also about kind of this. I don't want to say jingoistic, but this patriotic American thing, right? Like the Pulitzer is part of its mission has to sort of support certain values or something like that, right? Like, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly the, the, the criteria, but it's like... Truth, justice, and the American way. Pretty much. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like pre, like... Is that a Pulitzer magazine? Uh, yeah, that's a good <laughs> question. By exploiting the, the labor of newsboys, apparently. <laughs> Does anybody know, like, how the Pulitzers are uh, chosen? Like, like who gets to vote on them? Yeah, it's, it's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> There's a committee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it like the Oscars were like this, and like just some years there was no best actor? Yeah. <laughs> it's be it's weird that I feel like a lot of awards shows, like awards that actually have some cachet and that, that people feel are important, nobody really understands how they're chosen or cares how they're chosen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, like, like I guess the, the Oscars are somewhat of an exception, but like, let's say like the MTV Movie Awards. Does anyone know, like, who's picking the MTV Movie Awards? You know, Awards? I was like, when I was a teenager, I was really bothered by that. <laughs> like, <laughs> by the fact, like, you know, like, like, is this just the executives at MTV getting together? Yeah, that there are, so, right, exactly, that like, wait, this whole thing is just like a marketing ploy for like, <laughs> A, the films, and B, the network, and that like... Wait, maybe that McAdams and Gosling, when they came up and reenacted their famous kiss as the best kiss on that, maybe that was just done so that they would do that. Mm -hmm. And maybe they weren't, in fact, the best kiss. And maybe one of the other kisses was better, but they wouldn't come up and reenact it. So that's like... That's why oh, they wow. chose that. Did the like, Notebook get Best Kiss that year? Oh yeah. Oh, it did. I don't. I stopped watching that. Like, I think the last time I watched the MTV Movie Awards, uh, the Best Kiss nominee was like Indecent Proposal, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which was also pretty racy for a but, I mean, basic well, cable. I mean, yeah, that's an issue, and it's an issue that some people are sensitive to, but it's not hugely. It's not hugely controversial in that the few industries or areas where there are like. I guess People's Choice Awards, like the People's Choice Awards, for instance. Uh, you <laughs> but know. like, have you ever voted for a People's Choice Award? Well, no, but I'm saying it's like which people. Yeah, but, but it's it's not as if the People's Choice Awards have a cachet that you know the right. Emmys or the Oscars lack. It's like, oh, the people really have a say in this, therefore it's not swayed by corporate money. It's like, no, no one cares. <laughs> No yeah. one cares who wins the yeah. People's Choice Award. Everyone wants to win an Oscar, yeah. right? And more yeah. and more, they're just turning to Twitter, right? Like yeah. that's how they're doing it. Like. Tweet as many times as you want. How did the Golden Globes become number two? Like, how did the foreign corp, like, is that what it is? Like, so it's you know, all the film critics from other countries? No, it's like a, a small gathering of film Cadre of yeah. film critics from other I think it's just because they throw a big party. I think that's yeah. really their draw, right? Is that, like, they throw a giant party and everyone gets drunk and, like, they get the stars to go. It's sort of like, well, how does Acqu- Actors' Equity continue to exist when the market for acting talent is so, like, flush with people? Because the big people are, are into it. Because like the the you know the famous superstar actors who hold the industry hostage uh, are are like I'm going to go to the Golden Globes and get trash and get swag and like have a good time yeah. or because they make me go. Or well, I mean, well, I mean, those of us who've done performing on some level, whether in you know acapella groups or acting in in college or high school or something, you know, will remember awards banquets, which are primarily about getting drunk with your friends and yelling at each other. So like, imagine if that went on for like sixty years and acquired this multi generational cachet that people were scared to challenge and was also worth billions of dollars and was filmed. And I guess that should give you a sense for how seriously and how not seriously to take these these multi generational awards. I am a Festerson Award winner. What is a Festerson Award? Yale Band. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I just also think about all of the professional awards, right? Like, if you yeah. want to take take it, like, if, if you think of the Oscars as like a trade award show. Like, you know, there I have coworkers who walk past their desks, they have all sorts of awards on their desk. Well, I mean, from, yeah, like, this thing or that and, thing. and there are the, the trade awards for the Oscars, because, like, you know, there's yeah. always the Oscars portion that gives, you know, awards to, like, technical production, like, yeah. you know, best sound production and such. Mm-hmm. And that's always the show that they film on a completely separate day, mm-hmm. in a completely separate building, that no one watches. Yeah. Like, and one, one actress goes. They yeah. always send one it girl actress. That has always, that has always gotten to me a little bit, is they always pick one It's always actress. a girl, right? It's always a woman, and it's always somebody who's kind of, like, a symbol of the time right. and they send her to the technical to hang out with the nerds. so they have someone to put a There's camera right. on for the recap during the Oscars <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, it's like it was like Mila Jovovich one year and Scarlett Johansson one year I think right and maybe yeah, it was yeah. Christina was it Christina Hendricks no and she's has, has Kate Beckinsale done it that's <laughs> probably yeah. oh man oh man yeah yeah now I'm looking I looked for technical awards and now it's showing me the Psy Tech Awards hosted by <laughs> Zoe Salzana so that is but of course, one of the paradoxes of award shows is that, like, if you tried to make them more democratic or more egalitarian, they'd become less interesting because you would know exactly who's going to win. Right, right, right. If, like, you know, you got, like, you know, 50,000 moviegoers to all vote, then it would just literally be a popularity contest. Yeah. Can, you know, and it's because that the Golden Globes, the voting is a little fluky. And we wouldn't want we right. wouldn't want that because we've all read Federalist Ten and understand mm-hmm. that the the you know majority faction would have a detrimental effect on the you know the real true meaning of the Oscars. I thought you were going to talk about the Marie Antoinette section in Edmund Burke's uh, <laughs> letters, right, where he talks. It's like, oh, like in a democratic society, like Marie Antoinette couldn't possibly exist, and she's yeah. so beautiful and awesome. <laughs> your, your argument is that the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, of which I believe you are a member, no, I'm, I'm that not. you're not, all right, yeah. is like the, is the Senate. Yeah, like they're, they're right. the thoughtful. 
deliberate read the laws before voting right absolutely <laughs> deliberative body they watched yeah. the short films right and the screen actors guild awards in which i do vote right mm-hmm. like w- are the house of representatives right, right. it's this that votes for megan fox yeah every it's this <laughs> <laughs> So is there a scene where, like, because Jar Jar Binks comes forward and nominates Snow White and the Huntsman for, like, best makeup? Oh, say people want to vote emergency powers. <laughs> I'm so I'm so rooting for Snow White and the Huntsman in like two categories. It's nominated for Oscars, and, I, and also I love that Onion article that came out this week about how like the nation's theaters are prepping for Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, to be the great, biggest movie of all time. <laughs> it's like riot police cordoning off the streets. People are going to come see this in the thousands. I just I really hope that movie has like a incredibly dark <laughs> flashback to them in the oven. Oh. <laughs> like the dramatic event that starts uh. like it's got it's got to be hugely dark. It's got to be like Nolan-esque dark. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's it, you see cuz you know what it is is Hansel. Yes, Gretel. I don't want to die a virgin. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> talking about a movie that's the the movie coming out this weekend that not only have we not seen but we're talking speculatively about how we might see it yeah, clearly like, we're not going to see this no, movie. No. <laughs> it's like I barely saw the Brothers Grimm yeah. <laughs> that's that was like yeah. Terry Gilliam <laughs> watching the preview but it's just like please god don't let there be steampunk tech gadgets <laughs> and then like the bullet opens up and just someone <laughs> like a spider inside with Will just Smith just make it. a monster <laughs> like it's way harder to fight monsters with a sword <laughs> I only have two words to say to that Van Helsing yeah. no, wait. I want to know after after a Hetzel Gretel witch hunters and mm-hmm. Abraham I'm sorry about that Abraham no Lincoln vampire hunter yeah, yeah, yeah what's the third in the oh, in the trilogy man. oh I'm sort man. of steampunky is it Robo Twain Frankenstein hunter mermaid hunter oh man yeah, yeah. He sails around the ocean all every now and then he sees a mermaid yeah. and shoots her. Because <laughs> he hates beautiful things. It's like, click, click, bang. <laughs> want to be part of my... <laughs> you want to you see my, my thingamabob? Here you go. <laughs> I got 20. Spokes. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> Yeah, Kate Beckinsale, Werewolf Hunter. I would like to see a movie in which actual real-life Kate Beckinsale is actually, like, a secret werewolf hunter. And, like, she keeps making these movies where she hunts werewolves as, like, a way of, uh... Although that joke is really dated. She hasn't made a movie. No, she made the new Underworld movie. That's right. So it's still current. But, yeah, like, she's trying to be, like, live in the big city and raise her daughter or whatever. And then, like... But but at night, she has to go fight werewolves. Uh, and then she has to make movies about fighting werewolves, and then this, like so. This is like that mythology that you know Bruce Lee was actually secretly an undercover cop fighting the triad, <laughs> yeah. and when he wasn't filming movies about fighting the triad. Yeah, this, is, yeah. this is like the Johnny Cage story, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> like Mila Jovovich was sent back to prevent the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, it sounds a lot less interesting now that we flush it out. Though it actually yeah. does explain Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> He's actually the robot sent back in time to yeah. us. Did you have any thoughts about the last stand, Mark? Because you missed last week's podcast as shoehorn in. Because I know you're the big Arnold fan oh. and the big Korean director fan among us. Gosh, I, I appreciate the chance. I, I haven't seen the movie. I was oh, kind of interested in, in in seeing it, but maybe a little bit less so given the uh, the poor reviews and the uh, I, I don't know, like the, the not super enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the take that I got on the podcast. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see Arnold back. Making movies, I hope he does something interesting with his career. That's that's uh, that's going to be you know that'll make more of an impact on the last stand. Apparently, so he's like, a yeah. German sheriff in like uh, like Borderlands, Arizona, Austin, right? Austria. Yeah, I mean it's never Austria. really. His name is is what Ron Owens or something like that. Can we pretend Ray he's Owens. like the descendant of Christopher Waltz from Django? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There should be a whole series of movies about yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The, the incredible German lawman of the West. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they said of that is like, it's like Brian Bosworth. Like it's like Chuck Norris, right? Like it's, uh, Norris isn't German. <laughs> Are there any? Uh, I'm trying to think about other intermediaries. But yeah, no. And, and they keep their yeah they keep their accent mysteriously, yeah. despite living in the American West for mm. you know 140 years. 
Yeah, it all sticks around. They're all dentists, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's get back to shooting mermaids in the face. <laughs> no, let's not do that. That's bad. Violence against female fish ladies is bad. Uh, I would someone would have to organize some sort of group to prevent that from happening to battle the mermaid shooters. <laughs> they have to be like the ferocious mermaids from the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh yeah, probably yeah. or like sirens. What is the Sea Shepherd's position on mermaids? The Sea Shepherd. The Sea Shepherd is like the Greenpeace boat that goes out and attacks like the Japanese whale boats. Oh, wow. and, and like, green, like Greenpeace is yeah, Greenpeace is disavowed. <laughs> oh wow, this like, is like. This is like the real IRA. Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's a TV show, so it's like not that. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like the deadliest cat in Greece. Pro mermaid? Because they don't really like humans in the water. It's right. kind of what a mermaid is. That's interesting. I wonder. You could make a movie. You could probably make a, a romantic comedy about a mermaid and a, like a Greenpeace like fringe dude. Or you can make a really horrible horror movie about it where it's like they try to fall in love but they can't or I don't know like I just think for one movie the environmentalist not to be the villain because since yeah. Ghostbusters like the EPA has just had a bad run of it yeah 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 that's a good point well, like good. what about Fern Gully <laughs> or Avatar yeah. <laughs> also I don't feel like the Sierra Club was featured in either <laughs> <laughs> don't you remember that scene in Avatar where Sam Worthington gets a whole bunch of stickers with his address on them and a picture of a wolf <laughs> <laughs> Oh, don't you remember the scene in Avatar where they protest the damning of the Hetch Hetchy and yeah. are unsuccessful and yeah. gets damned anyway and yeah. San Francisco can drink water? Do you remember that scene in the Avatar where, where Giovanni Ribisi is like standing on the corner of that future city with a clipboard? It's like, excuse me, do you have 10 minutes to save the environment? Excuse me, sir, do you have... You have to, all right, have a nice day. <laughs> My time is your unobtainium. <laughs> 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 oh, man. That's, yeah. So, it, I mean, it's funny that what happens when we actually sit down around a table together is that we end up pitching each other movie ideas mm-hmm. or like, uh, you know, and and I th- you, you should uh, follow the overthinking at Twitter at twitter.com slash overthinking it. To find the adventures of Ronun, <laughs> yes, the, the, the nun with no with no order. Yeah, yeah. Hey, are, are you a nun? He's <laughs> like, I'm. I'm. What, what, sorry, what is it? I was like, wait, are you a nun? Oh, there's so there's so many different ways you could go. There. <laughs> there's all kind of habit puns, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like I'm still in a habit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lone wolf. Yeah. No, I, I like so, something about, like, you know, like, I'm still with the chastity and the poverty. Yeah. Not so much with the obedience. Click, <laughs> 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 click. Yeah. I've got think of a bomb. It's 20 of them. Right. <laughs> I want to be part of your world. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mm. See, that's a little bit too recent to be a five-year anniversary thing, or a five-year-old thing is The Little Mermaid, right? But that was a huge thing. Yeah, it was 1989. Yeah, jeez. We were shooting up then. We were <laughs> under the bridge with Red Hot Chili Peppers. For me, that was in the category of movies I watched because girls liked them, and I was still trying to figure out what girls liked. Oh. Right? Like, I saw that with the like, girls who were still my friends, but mm. I could tell that, like, soon they would not be my friends. Yeah, yeah. Stuff, was, stuff was going on. Yeah, yeah. sure. That, like, mm. 10, 11... Yeah, uh, which is age, why I right. never saw Mulan because that was right after that period. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> Mulan. Well, that was this movie. That was the kind of movies I watched with my sisters, and and actually had pretty much memorized because I watched it so many times with my sisters. Right, but like it it, it didn't have any. You existence. know how many thingamabobs she had? You had it. Yeah, really exactly. No big yeah. deal. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But I watched much worse ones, like We Sing and Sillyville. Watch the We Sing movies That's sometime. That's good. Was it? Yeah. Was it King, Bad King Colt Feast, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, We Sing Christmas is really bad. We were watching it over Christmas. They like have lots of elves hitting things with hammers, but they don't have nails in them. They're just like cars. Yeah. We Sing and Sillyville is just like they had a bunch of like nursery rhymes that they hadn't used for other things, and there's no unifying theme. Yeah, like I think the later one they develop like a storyline and whatnot and it right, becomes they, a little bit more. Through line. Yeah, I like the early stuff out of the Wilson. Oh, so they're jukebox page. musicals of nursery rhyme songs. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And they were movies, they were home videos that you could get. And then We Sing was the whole thing where it was, it's like what Kids Bop is now, where it was like a tape of the kids singing the songs that you could play while like reading the book and whatnot. Yeah, sort of like what Glee is. Sure. <laughs> it's no fairy tale theater yeah, when, they're not, when they're not ripping off Jonathan yeah. Colton. I know. Yeah, you guys been keeping up with this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, the internet is so bad. 
So for people who don't know about it, uh, Glee did a version of Baby Got Back that is very, very, very similar to Jonathan Colton's version. Note for yeah, note, note. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. note it is. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Jonathan Colton's yeah. version. But because Jonathan Colton doesn't have a right to Baby Got Back exclusively, right. then he can't... Glee isn't going to give him any money. Yeah, he doesn't have any... This could go all the way to the Supreme Court. Right? Of the underlying I IP. So. I think it was, it's going to go to the court of Judge John Hodgman, more like oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, oh, John Golden has released a cover of the Glee version of his of the Glee cover of his song on iTunes. Uh, He's donating that. the proceeds to charity, so if you can check that out. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, yeah, no, I like this. So the internet is on it. We are going to, like, tweet. We are going to, like, click like buttons yeah, about yeah, yeah. this. We're going to, like, maybe, like, write some uh, LOL-style, <laughs> you know, graphics with the kids yeah. in Glee. Mm-hmm. About- I would have much rather seen Glee do, like, Skull Crusher Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like they missed an opportunity. That's the thing. Like, if Fox isn't careful, then, like, nerds on the internet will stop loving Glee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard the one nerd on the internet, because Jonathan Colton would have a claim against them if they used part of his track, right? And I heard one of them uh, took the Glee song and was, like, running it through various, like, filters and modifying things and, and found the faint sign of a quacking duck that appears in the Jonathan Colton song to cover up a curse word. And apparently, like, if the quacking duck is, like, in the background... That while they're singing, like, then Jonathan Colton may have some sort of case against them. If it quacks, you must attack. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, Morgan, should we give a preview of, like, what we're going to be talking about at the 10th year anniversary? Ooh, interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're, well, a lot of The Little Mermaid, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's the same thing, obviously. We're going to be into Star Wars a lot. Right? Oh, man. J.J. Abrams, he reinvented it for the next... The next <laughs> so, guys, within the next five years, we need to uh, write the screenplay for Ronan and get that... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ten years from now, will be the uh, will be the uh, the launch the, the the premiere party for yeah. Ronan. At that right. point, there'll be sufficient nostalgia for the for the like various sisterhoods. Let's <laughs> 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 not be mean. Let's not be mean. I'm going to get in trouble with my dad for that. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. No, no, no. But it is clearly like you know that people are shutting down convents and stuff, and like you know, there's going to be fewer nuns. Certainly, there'll be more Ronans. Walking the earth. Yeah, well, right, yeah. yeah. I mean, the way the way Benedict is coming down on them, you know. I mean, I'm surprised Jeez. that a lot of nuns aren't. Uh, uh, turning into Ronans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just not to get all, not to get all serious. And I'm sorry, Mr. Fenzel, if if uh, <laughs> we've offended you. Um, but yeah, geez, no. In ten years, I, I don't know if we're going to be talking about those specific scandals. Well, it'll be scandals we don't expect, right? right? So, what is the opposite of a scandal that we would expect? So we would expect what, like a Kardashian oh, half robot? I can't believe dolphin voter suppression turned the tide in you know the 20, <laughs> 2016 yeah. elections. Who would have seen that coming? Yeah, exactly, Daddy. Uh, when, is it true that you oppressed dolphins when you were a child? <laughs> well, son, it was a dark time in our history, and a lot of stuff was going on there that I'm not so proud of. But <laughs> you and your kind can stand up for dolphin rights. And the Electoral College is determined by private plane ownership. <laughs> <laughs> or hoverboat. <laughs> You'll get everywhere by hoverboat. Because the whole Earth will be underwater in five years. That'll be, that'll be 2018. Right? 20, oh, that's right. That's when Waterworld happens, right? Oh, 2019 it? is the Postman. I don't know when. No, Waterworld is farther in the future. Than oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, they still have the Exxon Valdez kicking around. Well, the Postman had to learn to swim, so that was yeah. at least a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That takes a little while. That's not something you can do in a, in a, in a minute. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess, what, we'll talk about, we'll be talking about how J- Jason Statham is getting along really well with Rihanna in their marriage. <laughs> like, oh, I never expected that he'd be able to, like, you know, show his soft side. Right. Um, and when, and when, he, when he travels to Mexico to make a, a, an action film about a British sheriff living in Mexico. <laughs> right. It'll be like, man, like, Miley Cyrus was, like, a great hot girl in Justice League 2. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why did they send? Yeah, why did why did they send uh, uh, Dakota Fanning to the Oscar Technical Awards? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Five years, yeah. Okay, maybe Dakota Fanning. I was about <laughs> to say she might even be too old at that point. Oh right? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I guess. Jeez, it'd be L Fanning, right? To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking about Oscar-nominated Hillary Duff for her great turn, and she plays like someone stricken with cancer, and she has to like, you know, make a comeback and whatnot. She's she'll be due in five years. Bieber yeah. is the new Bond. Oh, Ooh, I think something terrible is going to happen. Together. There. I, does anyone think that it's just a ticking clock until something terrible happens to Justin Bieber? I don't know. I, I have I have fear for that boy. 
Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the puberty already happened, so... Yeah. Well, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I guess, maybe, maybe, I mean, bad things happen to everybody over a certain time period, but, I mean, may, maybe it's something as simple as, like, he gets, you know, he breaks up with Selena Gomez or whatever, and it's, like, a horrible thing all the time. That's not so bad. No, no, no. Or maybe, like, his that, house that is covered happened. in water. That's true, that happened already, mm-hmm. but it happened again in the future, and it's sadder. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's your prediction. That's my prediction, is that Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez will get together, get married, have a child, and have an acrimonious divorce. And then <laughs> shaves his head, Britney Spears. Yeah, and then, like, Selena Gomez will have one really good album as a result, like Nick Lachey did, and people will think that she's a legitimate artist, and then she'll vanish like Nick Lachey did, and then Justin Bieber will be doing uh, Gangnam Style on Ellen mm-hmm. with Gangnam. Do we, think, do we think Psy is destined for great things in the next five years? Psy sure. is already at the, at the you know, the, in the flower of a full career, right? Like, Psy is not, didn't just spring up yesterday. He's yeah. been releasing albums in Korea, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was an established Korean I think artist. he will continue to sell yeah. a lot of albums in Korea. I think he's probably done internationally. Who, who's got more of a shelf life, Psy or Carly Rae Jepsen? Uh, That's a I, tough one. Kylie Rae could go like she could go like the Avril Lavigne route, and like you mm-hmm. know, there are a couple different. She has some options. I mean, she's going to be playing shows for a long time. Well, Carly Rae Jepsen is managed by the same manager that manages Justin Bieber, and he something bad's going to happen to him. <laughs> <laughs> the whole empire is going to collapse. There's going to be it's going to be divided between like the three sons, and they're going to have a war. You're like some superstitious Romanian grandmother, <laughs> 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 which and then Hansel and Gretel are going to have to take her out. She's a witch. She's good into like phone technology. Finally, just gives up. Mm. Like in the call me maybe not over. I thought you were going to say she's going to be good until the entire music industry shuts down in three years. (laughs) (laughs) Might coincide. (laughs) Like I remember how music used to come over broadcast wavelengths, and it was new to us at various points. Supposed to. (laughs) As opposed to the folk songs we use to communicate on Facebook now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, in five years, you'll be able to, like, custom a Mumford & Sons song. Just, like, you'll be able to click on something under some words, and they'll have a song that you can send to somebody else to express your angst about your situation. It's like an angst, like, meter. <laughs> I'm on my angst at 82%. Yeah, right. Yeah, folk yeah there's a whole bunch of dials that you set, and then you click, like, make folk song, and then, it, you know what I mean? It's like, how many witches must... A Hansel and Gretel witch hunter kill. Yes, yes. In five years, then uh, our podcast will be replaced by a completely, you know, digitized synth- uh, podcast synthesizer. Oh yeah, we have other type in pop culture and like snark at seventy. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, for, the, for, the, for the overthinking of podcasts, there's going to be a slider for has topic doesn't have topic. <laughs> well, I think topic the on or off. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, right. It's it's really a binary. Yeah. It's a one or a zero. Well, whatever we're talking about. In five years, if past is prologue, we'll still be talking about it at www.overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat to come? <laughs> <laughs> it's fine.